Welcome to What's Korean Cinema episode 40. Bit of a milestone, I guess, but uh, it just happened. We're at episode 40 and we're going to cover The Mimic, a Korean urban legend wrapped up into a horror terror package with some emotional oomph to it. We're going to examine if uh, director Hu Jung's The Mimic strikes a balance between, uh, you know, approachable local horror and international horror with a little bit of drama in between too. So, uh, start your clocks, by the way. It's bound to have remake rights announced in three, two, one. <laughs> there it is. And the remake might not happen. Anyway, at any rate, my name is Kennedy, and uh, with me, and again, he's uh, paused his 10-year anniversary and onto year 11 of his website, and that website is Hango Celluloid, and the webmaster and writer of that is Paul Quinn. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, because the mimic, as local as it is with the urban legend, it's just, you know, it's just gonna happen that, oh, remake, buy it just in case. You know, we can uh, make it about an urban legend elsewhere. And I think that, you know, the strength of Korean horror over the last couple of years as well means that the people are, are grabbing for stuff, you know. I mean, they they really are. You know, you've only got to look at your average tweets over the last couple of days when they're saying Train to Busan's going to be made into a VR movie. Well, granted, it was a VR game, though. That's what I read. Totally, totally. But, you Still, know, you it's just... a zombie game, right? So what's the diff? Why, why even tag it with Train to Busan? Because zombie games... They're exactly, out there anyway. Exactly. But yeah, you know, as you say, remake rights. Yeah, I I think quite likely. I'm still looking forward to the to the whaling VR. That's gonna be intense. Three <laughs> <I don't care. laughs> hours of shamanistic your rituals head. and shit. Oh, <laughs> as your eyes dribble out your eye sockets. <laughs> exactly. That's VR for you, bitches. We did it right. <laughs> yeah. One time only. Then 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 you're out. At any rate, uh, we're gonna get to ex- examining uh, 2000. Um, it is 2017, right? I'm not. Uh, yeah, it's 2017. Yep. Uh, the Mimic uh, horror movie, and uh, we're gonna get on with it. But first of all, some brief contact information. This is what's Korean cinema, and uh, new and old Korean cinema is covered here with a. Golden age of 50s, 60s, and so forth, to a new wave Korean cinema of the early millennium, to the very latest. In the case of uh, when we did a whaling, that was close to the very latest, and the mimic is not even, it was like a late summer release, uh, 2017, so it's uh, fresh enough in that regard. And uh, that's what we do here, and we are part of the Podcast on Fire network. Uh, our website is podcastonfire.com, where you find the back catalogue of this show and all our other shows covering Hong Kong cinema, new and old Japanese cinema, sleazy cinema. We do audio commentaries and bonus episodes every now and again. Email us if you have any questions or feedback. Podcast on fire at googlemail.com. Follow the handy buttons to our various social media presences, including on Facebook, where you'll find our page and our discussion group. If you just type in Podcast on Fire Network, uh, the button to our tweets is available there. The button to our iTunes feed is available as well. And if you have any feedback you want to leave us on itunes then we'd very much appreciate it even if you just click the star rating give us an honest star rating we don't need glowing reviews necessarily but uh, i'd like you all to get involved so if you'd like to uh, leave a determination of what you thought of this show or any other show on the network leave a star rating or even write a small written comment uh, that will act perfectly fine as a review and you can also stream us on Stitcher Radio, either on their website or via their applications. And I'll write about the variety of Hong Kong and Taiwanese movies over on SoGoodReviews.com. I also do small video reviews on SleazyKVideo.com. Not just pornographic ones, but the Taiwanese genre movies of a variety of... Um, um, some are for adults, some are for kids, some are cra- crazy crazy, and some are merely... 
like uh, copies of what's going on in Hong Kong. For instance, uh, these uh, uh, you remember Mr. Vampire, Paul Quinn. Yeah, I do. They did a series in Taiwan called Hello Dracula. Ooh, there you go. As a response to it, but they made a sort of own little uh, thing. It was more kid centric, but not um, immature as such. So you didn't have Taiwanese Lam Ching Ying in that movie necessarily. You had, a, you had a kid that was eight years old that led the fray, uh, frame. So, uh, so that's the kind of thing I like to examine over on my sites. And my tweets are available at so good reviews. Hang, go, celluloid. You, you, you got your mimic review uh, done and dusted by now, I assume. Which is still in the pipeline to be uh, published. It's done online. It's It was actually online before the uninvited that we talked about last week it's there it's done i actually saw it for the first time last november so getting it done and online after the after the korean film festival was pretty much a you know a, a given oh they brought it to a festival as well and not just uh for the dvd no totally totally they they sort of every year they have a uh, one two films that usually are going to be released through arrow films and they'll you know, show them specifically because Arrow allows them to, and it's it's a nice little balance, I think. And uh, we're going to be touch upon be touching upon the availability and stuff at the end of the episode. But uh, if we didn't mention it, give the kind uh, kind folks, uh, kids and adults alike, uh, the URL to your uh, website, sir. I'm Paul. I run HangleCelluloid.com. You can find me at HangleCelluloid.com. I'm on Facebook at Facebook.com/HangleCelluloid. On Twitter at HangleCelluloid. If you just go to hanglecelluloid.com, you can find Facebook and Twitter buttons that will take you directly to the social networks and all the all the reviews you need. And uh, as for what's coming up, uh, we have some little sections here before the review. So each section has some timestamps uh, available to them in the show post. And uh, we'll start with a general discussion about uh, the output of the still fresh director, uh, Hu Jung. And the, res- the reception of his previous film and uh, The Mimic as well. And we'll conclude with our review of The Mimic. So quite simple, not a huge career to talk of. But uh, ongoing careers are still inspiring in their own right as well. He, he wasn't gone for 14 years after his first <laughs> movie compared to our director of the law, uh, that we covered last episode. Yeah, totally. And uh, The Mimic from 2017 and the plot from Paul's review of uh, from HangoCelluloid.com uh, with her mother uh, uh, Sunja increasingly suffering from memory problems uh, having seizures and all too often not taking her medication. The character of He Yeon, played by Yum Jung Ah, decides to take her to Mount Jiang where she lived in her younger days in the hope that the familiarity of the surroundings will help her condition approve. No sooner have he Yeon, her husband Min Ho, played by Park Hyok Kwon, her daughter Jun Hee and her mother moved into the new home than the body of a woman is found in a nearby Mount Jiang cave almost at the same time as he Hyon finds a disheveled and seemingly abandoned young girl played by 8-year-old uh, Shin Rin Ah in a, uh, she's found in a in the woods in a tattered, faded red dress, uh, cowering behind the tree. So uh, a lot of events already as they come to Mount Yang. As the police begin an investigation into the woman's death in the cave, uh, he Yon takes the child that she found home to look after her in the interim. However, her suspicions are raised when the child begins to mimic her actual daughter, claiming her name is Jun He too. Uh, her qualms quickly turn to fears when the police show her a photo from a similar investigation way back in the 80s. 
a picture in which the same young child can clearly be seen in the same very um in the very same faded red dress that's where you end a plot summary right there not even a summary a plot synopsis of uh, what to expect um the background uh, to the mimic uh, written and directed by hu jung who is a graduate of the school of film and tv of film tv and multimedia at the korean national university of the arts he uh, furthered himself um uh, after this education, uh, working towards uh, directing by attending the Korean Academy of Film Arts, and over the course of, uh, or even mid education, or even post education, he made uh, you know a handful of short films, including The Wish from 2012, that earned him awards at the Asian Misenscene uh, Short Film uh, Film Festival. Uh, he stepped into the spotlight as director in 2013 with the surprise hit Hide and Seek. Uh, his uh, film uh, went up and fought well at the box office, apparently, versus big hitters such as Snowpiercers. And uh, his uh, thriller mystery film at hand here, Hide and Seek, went on to score multiple nominations at the Grand Bell Awards. And uh, Hu Jong won the Best New Director Award at the, uh, not at that award ceremony, but at the Korean Association of Film Critics Awards for his work on the movie Hide and Seek. Uh, Paul, this was reportedly... A movie that was low on star power, and uh, certainly we have a new director here, so you can't market this on his previous work. So, care to share your quick opinion? And, uh, you know, if it was low on star power, then has these actors or actresses subsequently been thriving in movies, big or small movies? That's the, the weird thing about hide and seek. You, the names almost pass you by. You know, you think it's not star power. When you look at the, the main male character, Son. He's been in films from way back in Guns and Talks, Punch Lady. He's done Chronicle of Evil, which were all big films. But his name's just sort of almost seen as an also ran. The main female character was in numerous new Korean cinema classics, Take Care of My Cat, Wishing Stairs. She was in Cart, which was, you know, big female cast film in 2014 i think he's been she's been in pandora since again a big bigish name back in the day but today nobody knows really who she is so 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 he didn't cause young then uh, he, he went for veterans pretty much but like i say they're veterans that a lot of people even in korea won't really be that aware of because they've been in stuff but they've sort of disappeared and then come back and disappeared in terms of the film itself yeah, it's it's okay. It's a, a kind of a family in peril thriller. It's a first film, and it opened the 2013 London Korean Film Festival. And I personally felt it wasn't big enough to be an opening film. You know, you're expecting something with, you know, huge hit power. And it didn't have that. And the conversations with audience members afterwards sort of, went well why why did that open it's it's an okay film it doesn't really step into any new territory particularly were they trying to um push it because it had been doing well in korea so as the buzz buzz factor pretty much buzz factor and the fact that push the new director who you know is starting to look interesting blah 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 i think it would have been all right for a screening in the middle of a of a festival but it just it it feels like a kind of smaller thriller, really. And that's not necessarily a huge criticism. But, but so I see where, you, where you're getting at, uh, because the, you, you're used to the programming being of, um, it's more bombastic, I guess, when it's 
in terms of the opening film and all of that, or even closing film. I mean, it's it's certainly watchable. Their performances are decent enough, but you leave the movie not having seen anything particularly new. And that's fair enough for a first director. He did okay, I guess. It's unexpected from a debut director in Korean cinema. Yeah, <laughs> because they, like, norm- totally. they normally hit, the, hit it out of a park. <laughs> well, don't they just, you know? Yeah. Oh, look, there's another one who's never done one before, and it's like so successful. Yeah. Uh, he returned four years later with the movie chosen for review this episode, The Mimic, and uh, Hu Jung took inspiration from the urban legend of the Jiang San Tiger. That's said to originate uh, from the mountain city of uh, Jiang San, and it lures in unsuspecting human victims where the eye sound that resembles a woman's wail. Uh, the legend says the tiger has two rows of sharp teeth and uh, beautiful white fur across its entire body, and it's a swift and agile creature. But uh, you know there are believers of this urban legend, but the non-believers and debunkers, if you will, claim its existence is unlikely given South Korea's small landmass and its history of poaching. Anyway, so that tiger wouldn't stand a chance, regardless of its uh, supernatural abilities or not. So, uh, the word itself, tiger, is apparently still a word that triggers fear in Korea. It's a loaded word, apparently. So, so um, you know, Very much. it's a legend that has survived based on the fact that it's about the tiger alone. Um, is that, is that something you, you picked up on as well? You know, your study of not just film, but you're fascinated with Korea as a, as a nation and its history, I guess, too. So Very much so. I was aware of it. And when the mimic first raised its head, that was spoken about a lot, that this is hitting a thing that in general, in, in terms of culture, does actually still hang heavy, even though it's it's mythology no different than any other. So, yeah, very much. Uh, when released in late summer 2017, the Mimic earned a total of um, 7.3 million uh, US dollars from um, 1.03 million admissions and was the first Korean horror film to break that million barrier since 2013's Killer Toon. That title, Killer Toon, doesn't inspire confidence, by the way. It might be a good movie. It's a great movie. It is, okay. Is it literally, am I, lo- am I latching on to the word tune that much that it's about cartoons or has nothing to do with that? It's essentially a an artist who draws webtoons starts to find that every t- she she does horror webtoons every time she draws a scene of a tune, whatever she draws takes place in reality. So she draws a, a young girl hanging herself, and you see a young girl hanging herself. She draws a, a man being you know smashed by a car. He's smashed by a car, and she has to try and figure out why her tunes are becoming horror things if you can actually get by with that scenario and get some good critical notices good on you because that literally reminds me semi reminds me in a way of death note you know if you write a writer you want this to happen to that person in in the death note book then boom very much so and i would agree with you apart from the fact that when you actually do watch killer tune it it has an originality to it. it. In the few years leading up, you know, from the new Korean cinema horror Ferrari, you know, of all the, the girls' school horror and everything else, horror sort of went into the doldrums. And it wasn't until, I think, 2010 when The Devil came out, um, which is a phenomenal horror movie, that interest started to spark again. And then it fell again. And then in 2013, Killer Toon popped up it did as well as it did because it was worth doing as well as it did it's 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 a good film and it 
though it sounds like a rehash of something else. With with a bad English title. It really is. It it doesn't sound like A material necessarily, you know. But, you know, don't let that put you off. It, it, It was a highlight in the five years that surrounded it in terms of Korean horror. You 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 can you can sometimes you know approach that as a challenge as well. Like t- take something that sounds semi ludicrous, or even that it's riffing on material that's already been produced, but taking on the challenge of actually making it good, you know, and even taking it seriously. Very much so, and and, and maybe perhaps supplanting expectations and taking it in a a different direction ultimately. So, uh, in terms of uh, where Mimic was on the local list, based on the emissions and the amount of money it took in, it was then the uh, number 26 on the um, local list, the 26 most popular Korean movie of um, of that year. So, not, you know, up there in top 10 or anything, but um, uh, good enough, I guess. I mean, it's a, it broke a barrier, despite, you know, as we talked of uh, but uh, let's put things in uh, perspective and all of that for you know for the type of movie it was uh, with this cost and uh, budget and also if you combine that with your knowledge of the current marketplace uh, i.e. Uh, where horror fits into the marketplace so was this a good medium even a disappointing turnout for for a movie like the mimic being number 26 it was a good enough turnout considering what it was up against 2017 was an incredible year for Korean cinema. You know, you've you've got Along with the Gods was released in 2017 and it went on to become the second most successful Korean film of all time. It's still uh, trailing that um, that military movie, Admiral movie, general movie, right? It's still trailing, yeah, Roaring Currents. Just, you know, recently, over the past couple of months, it had jumped over Ode to My Father, which was second previously but you also had a a taxi driver which was a huge hit and possibly one of the best films of the year you've got huge hitters like the king you've got you know the fortress you've got hang suku that we talked about in double agent a while back his new film prison which has done incredibly well yeah i I just added that to my netflix queue by the way because um, i I know know we uh, spoke of it like in terms of his career like he's still good in it uh, so I'm, I'm gonna watch it based on that uh, but may, so um ho- hopefully i'm gonna be surprised by the uh, quality of the movie as well and not just uh, seeing him uh, 10 15 years later after sherry or double agent so i think it's it's interesting and it's one of every now and again he does smaller films that are really really hard-hitting you know he he did a bloody aria which nobody saw but when you watch it it's actually shocking so you know it's good for that but in terms of the year, you know, you've so, so many huge, huge films that did phenomenally well for the Mimic to get 26th. It, it did okay, it, especially considering it's a horror film where, you know, that's going to be more niche than perhaps a film about Guanju. And at, at the 54th Grand Bell Awards, those were certainly packed. I'm going to give you an image of uh, that. Uh, the film earned one nomination, the Best Actress nomination for our lead actress, Jung uh, Ah. But the ceremony otherwise uh, saw a mix of films bagging uh, two plus awards. Again, they're, they're giving everything. Like, you get an award, you get an award, you get an award. <laughs> uh, Taxi Driver won Best Film. Uh, Anarchist from Colony got Best Director and Actress. The King swiped Best Supporting Actor and Actress category. So, uh, was that a fair uh, handout of awards uh, by the Grand Bell Awards? Uh, you think uh, giving <laughs> a little bit of everything to everyone? <laughs> It's just the weirdest thing. Every year, you know, you you see the awards and you agree with most, probably. 
and you disagree with a couple. There, there's rarely been a year where I've agreed with one and then disagreed completely. I mean, Anarchist from Colony got Best Director and Actress. It's terrible. Really? What is it? Uh, um, drama, historical, modern? Uh, just give the listeners an idea of uh, genre and setting. Modern, violent thriller. Uh, it's just so throwaway and generic it's unbelievable um a taxi driver did get best film and it kind of deserves it but you know this year you had other films there's a a film called 1987 which is also about guanju and it stars kim tae um who was the younger girl in the handmaiden her her performance is phenomenal it's a deeply important film her film 1987 when the day comes is phenomenal it looks great it's deeply important and it didn't get a single nomination so you're really the shift in balance is like nothing i've seen for years um so i agree with a couple of things and completely disagree with others well two years in a row despite 16 and 17 that was a pretty strong uh, output uh, if we just look at quality and not awards i guess um, so um Yeah, totally, totally, really, really couple of the strongest years for decades, and it, it bodes really well. Well, cool. Uh, let's uh, go back to the mimic then, and as for uh, the short opinions, I'll go first. Um, it, it is it is close to basic genre excursion, you know, a little monster movie, uh, shamanism and urban legend, but if you they combine it with a professional frame, It's not ashamed of exploring what could be pitfalls of horror. And it's not afraid to have an emotional through line and a premise that actually... It's got a premise that actually manages to sneak into scary because we're so desensitized when it comes to horror. Like, uh, uh, But to be creeped out and even scared is, um, is uh, a good thing in 2018. It should go down well with uh, audiences because it's very approachable. It might become, come as a surprise to most uh, Because uh, I I don't know it, it, to me I go on by gut feeling it doesn't seem very hyped and I think it's still struggling to find an international audience. Uh, yes, it has UK distribution, but I think that audience that it finds might stick with it. Uh, uh, it's also in inventive, you know, in the way it presents certain horror uh, tropes and some of the imagery was uh, rather cool. So uh, and the, and the dramatic sincerity, while not mind-blowing it certainly gets it uh, far and makes it distinctive that uh, there's a dramatic through line and not just monster stuff so all of that counts so it's a good time it's a good time i liked it uh in short what do you want to say about the mimic yum jung ha that's that's what i want to say um when i heard the mimic was coming out and she was in it um i don't know if any of your listeners know who she is back in the days of new korean cinema she was the if i can coin a phrase the scream queen you know she was the stepmother in a tale of two sisters she was in tell me something as the the friend who might be the killer and i know you had a bit of an issue with the storyline of it but um she was in it she was in parchanuk's three extremes playing a vampire Was there a vampire element in that? I mean, I've seen that movie because uh, it's, it's I've seen Free Extremes, but I remember s- someone was stuck to a piano. It was a movie set and crap. So yeah, there, there there was a there was a one of those was called Cut, and it was about a a vampire. 
um, and it was Yim Jung Ha, and that was part of, that was part Tanuk's thing. Since then, you know, I, I mean, she was she was so iconically linked to new Korean cinema horror that she was every horror movie you saw there you expected to see her um since then she moved away and she's done sort of melodramas and romances and dramas like you know sad movie the old garden cart that we mentioned i think in the last podcast um so as soon as you see a horror film that has the biggest screen queen of all time it just made me deeply excited and she could have she could have been sitting in a chair staring at a wall for two hours and I would have hung with the film. Um, the fact that she is so good in it, along with some of the other cast that we'll talk about, about later, it has classic elements and even the non-classic elements felt classic to me because of Yung Jung-ha. I, I was blown away by her performance and I'm so glad to see her back in horror. I loved it. Cool. Well, uh, this one, as I said, it doesn't um, fear horror because um, otherwise it would be more timid about these things. So, so it, it starts, you know, in at night in the backwoods, in the woods, you know, and that's a good thing. You throw yourself into it. Uh, you know, the first movie had a desolate train and this one has uh, desolate roads. And, uh, you know, I'm being cheeky, but uh, it's still... Um, I, I see that as a challenge to, you know, make a slashing movie and uh, take on that challenge of making that effective, uh, make a stalking movie, make a ring type movie. And uh, you can treat that as a challenge rather than a cash in. And uh, we, we have we have examples in Korean cinema where they overcome such challenges. So the only minus points in this movie I have to get off, the, off my chest immediately. Uh, this one has, um, I believe, two fictional deaths of dogs. And I don't like that. So okay. it's, it, I'm, I'm a dog guy and that, get, that gets me in a bad mood. So uh, the, the Uninvited, I believe, I had a cat killing and stuff like that. So beware. Not real, fictional, but uh, if you're a dog person, then you might uh, skip through a scene or two. Because uh, uh, it, it's my kryptonite, Paul. I, I can appreciate it. I just, what immediately comes to mind is that, you know, dead dog in the mimic, as opposed to copious dead children in the uninvited mm, and, mm. and and you're harder on the dogs interesting interesting been a dog guy all my life and i i hate to see anything happens to the, ironically enough i like watched alien free the other day and obviously the the chest buster within the yeah. dog that no worries i mean it's just alien man. but uh, <laughs> it, it, it's more real this you know uh, and well, that's and, a good that's a good thing as well i guess yeah so i have a heart still uh, mostly made of stone, but a little bit, little bit be- beating power <laughs> left. But what, what you also you don't know, know what's going on here because uh, two people are driving someone towards a destination. They've kidnapped someone clearly, uh, so you don't know if this is a torture film. And you know, horror today, Korea or otherwise, can be calculated. It can be repetitive. You have tons of zombie movies and torture movies. You have found footage movies, and even though I don't think Korea necessarily tapped into the found footage movie, it's still like. Is it going for familiarity that's just going to kill it? And uh, as I said last episode, Paul, when I ask questions, I not out loud like Homer Simpson or anything. Uh, (laughs) I'm engaged, man, because uh, it made me curious. And obviously when Hu Jung establishes that setting, not of the woods, but of the wall, you sort of tilt your head here. 
well, these characters are in process of something. They seem rather nasty. But have they abducted someone out of necessity? And they, it's a decent enough hint of rules of this movie, or of the urban legend. And But it's not a... They don't... He, you know, he, he doesn't play all his cards immediately. And I thought that was rather effective because I obviously understand uh, understands it now and understood it watching what that scene had to do with anything but it if you just look at it from uh, when you break down the elements like okay they, they got a challenge on their hands here but I am curious uh, because um, that wall in all simplicity it's lit a little bit it takes a lot to make a, a little setting like that become foreboding and it really, really was foreboding for me anyway from the the very outset. As soon as that wall appeared, as soon as he took a few bricks out of that wall. Exactly, because uh, you, you even see, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's natural dust in the air, but it almost seems like the wall is breathing. And yeah, totally. Obviously, the title sort of comes out as smoke from the wall and it forms into mimic. But uh, I thought that was um, effective and uh, rather skillful and confident uh, whether Hu Jung um, is a horror fan or not but uh, it's well set up and I, I don't know what the style of hide and seek was but this one just like The Uninvited also has a static nature to it it cuts from static to static and it's only shaky in the sort of mental uh, in, uh, in in the mental ways because th- this family has that we see here in daylight and everything looks great now everything isn't as foreboding as the opening this family has experienced tra- tragedy that we're going to find out but uh, is there a progress here uh, You because you know hide and seek is there a lot of like uh, amped increased confidence uh, technically and as a storyteller very much so and in terms of the whole static thing i think that was a deliberate move you know hide and seek's much more normal much more ordinary in terms of thriller so i think i think it's a, a deliberate attempt to move forward and i think he succeeded in it how do you, how do you think he handles the tragedy of uh, the family because we know without seeing it unless i missed that scene that um, the son has gone missing uh, and that distraught comes out but how, how does it come out as a matter of fact in your opinion is it uh, excessive underplayed somewhere in between because this family needs to be strong and there are moments it has to be said there there is a scene um in which just after the the main female character played by jung ah um i think her name's he young she thinks she sees her missing son walking up the street and she runs back to her house and starts going through his stuff. Husband comes in and they start discussing, arguing about the fact that she can't leave it alone. And she 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 breaks down as she's acting, I guess. And from that moment, I, I was absolutely hooked. I think he hit the nail on the head along with her, exactly hit the nail on the head on how tragic, they felt and how 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 broken she is i think her performance at that point was you know oscar worthy she was astonishing and it's almost um i think that that's probably the latter scene but there's an earlier scene where she has a little burst of um where she almost shakes and uh, it's like shaky bursts of almost crying like so it yeah. almost comes out but she needs to internalize that and uh, and the the psychology of this um mimic kid turning up is obviously fairly well explored i mean that that might mean uh, here's a chance where the director might be a little bit ambiguous in terms of what it means uh, but uh, 
it might mean that she now is regaining a kid right that she's not forced to deal with grief if he's still alive that's some but this additional girl it might be the mother you know getting a chance to postpone grief by engaging in her it's not terribly like lingered on that that psychological state of hers as i just told of but it's there in enough bursts where that becomes poignant enough especially by the end I also think that from from the very outset of the appearance of the little girl, you can almost can almost feel her mothering instincts coming out. Those you know the mothering instincts that she she hasn't been able to give to her son all this time. She almost you know ignores her daughter to concentrate on this strange little girl. And I think that as the film progresses, that sort of has already been set in your head. And I think that's quite important. And he, he doesn't hint at the urban legend at all um, until, I don't know, mid-movie, two-thirds mm. in or one-third in. So we're dealing with this mainly. And, and, and yes, it has jump scares and all of that because uh, at one point uh, a couple of kids um, see this wall and one of the kids stuck, sticks their head into a wall, which is sort of where audience participation is either good or like... Uh, but I, I thought it was good because you like, kid, get out of the hole, get out of the hole, get out of the hole. And then the phone rings. That's the scare. And then we got another scare. And, you know, it didn't annoy me. I think he uh, played that well enough because, uh, I don't know, it, it helps maybe that the setting again from the opening scene of the wall yeah, is yeah. strong enough as an image and and uh, mysterious enough that all these um, old timey scare tactics is is okay. I I tend to agree, you know, and I I like the fact that in that thing he he gives us one of those scares and you accept it, of course you do, but within a couple of seconds he gives you another one which is from a slightly different perspective and I I like the fact that whether you're expecting to be scared or not, two in a short burst really does kind of work, It, it, it hits. I mean, off the cuff, by the way, we're, we're, in 2017, just for instance, where does Korea stand today in terms of horror? Is it uh, occasional movies, and or, or are there a lot of them, and only occasionally they're good? Over the last couple of years, there have been significantly better horror films coming out. They're really stepping it up again. There are a fair few as well. I've almost, in terms of reviews, I've almost had to, you know, you watch a film and you think I'll review that and, and you realize it, it is essentially horror and you've got to step away because the last three you did were horror. It's it's at that stage and, you know, three or four years ago, you'd have been doing one horror film review every six months because that's all the mo- movies there were. So they're doing a lot more, but they're doing a lot more because, you know, from my point of view, they're getting better again. The, the wailing remains, you know, from the last few years, kind of a, a benchmark to reach, I guess, in terms of... Pretty much, and I, th- I, I think that any filmmaker's going to have a hard job really topping Na Hong Jin, really. I mean, you need to make your surroundings a character too, which he did, and certainly Hu Jung does here, but making the woods a character, because not only the wall needs to be sort of a thing connected to dread and uh, mystery, but... Uh, you know the woods are there to enhance it but uh, they're they're yeah. not uh, they're not uh, dark woods you know we're in a setting that's very bright but it combines 
the dramatic instincts with that location centerpiece as so it has a setting for for dread which is the wood which is the wall and that's good enough and he easily navigates the cliches after that you know even even the blind woman that tells foreboding (laughs) no i know and it it kind of it kind of works i've got a misgiving about her later on but you know from when she first appears with her stick you know, and her cloudy eyes going, saying that there's danger. Um, you know, you, I almost rolled my eyes, but he got away with it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. you know acts the way it does and calls uh you know calls uh dad dad which is isn't which isn't you know it's a it's a stray and uh but but then he does some very interesting visual stuff which uh not gonna spoil as such but there's some very clever and also unexpected keeping it vague i, I need to be semi-specific on one thing but the the imagery connected to the mirrors right mm. um obviously some um, special effects there in terms of uh, there's some hands like, banging from inside a mirror and yeah, yeah it didn't feel very old hat to me either because he maintain he has when we see that we don't we still don't know we don't have the full picture that makes that more scary because we don't have the full picture that makes scenes like characters uh having like black veins consuming them from underneath their skin which sounds like the biggest cliche ever because we don't know that and he sets up uh, goodwill in terms of drama setting that thoroughly works i was kind of like shit what's that under his skin and i don't know about you but that obviously is the reaction you'd want as a filmmaker like, what is that what the f is that uh, I, I have to applaud him for that because um it also despite being a special effect was um, immersive it works for the purpose despite being a modern special effect and modern special effects doesn't necessarily mean they're well used globally you know korea or otherwise so uh, so in terms of that those uh, shocking images those spooky images um images uh, want to talk a little bit about that spontaneously because if i remember the structure right by this point he hasn't dropped much exposition about what what is going on so we see other characters um clearly affected by something uh and we don't know what so is that lack of clarity so say uh, a good choice to not roll out everything at once and get these and, and and these moments therefore become better because of it i think i think so i think it's it's actually very important that he does that and you've got a wit to see through you know i mean whether there are classic tropes here which there are you know or not um the film is beautifully brooding and it builds quite slowly and and perfectly as far as i'm concerned and i think him holding back certain things allows that to happen you know rather than rather than either not saying anything or giving too much away earlier on i i like the fact that those sort of that imagery comes across when you're not really sure, sure what's going on because you're in the same position as the ca- the characters themselves. They don't know what's going on either. 
and I, I, I in particular like the touch of uh, the two reactors that uh, depict is that uh, their direction to sort of react to the voices it's, is to dig into their ears essentially no, no, not graphically but they're, they're not scratching their ears but they're sort of like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, I thought I was like that's just pure acting that's not effects or anything that's just a, a little bit eerie touch like a little bit uh, what, what, why 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 dig so much you know <laughs> you know i mean I, I i do also like the fact that even though he doesn't give things away too much he gives little tiny pointers as he goes through i mean there's the couple's real daughter Ginny, is seen playing with a, a laptop which has a program on it a little cartoon girl who mimics everything she says and it, it almost heralds what you're about to see, even though you don't realize it. I think his little touches like that really add a lot that give you little hits as you're as you start to see what's really going on. They they come back to you and you think, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it was there. And they're not too obvious telltale telltale signs of things to come either, which, which is also good. Uh, you know, even when uh, the issue of the tiger if you will the exposition dumps concerning that it's um is understandable very much and uh, it's still a calm movie partly but the intense imagery works itself into it and gets the dread going but it doesn't crank the movie too much or anything um it, it, it's exciting and involving to follow the drama and uh the problem to sell this movie in a way uh, is that if you screen cap certain imagery, it's not going to look like much. Because, well, yeah. that, that looks familiar. Uh, seen that. So it's a movie you sort of have to experience. And uh, even if you screen caps, uh, you know, anything from any acting from our little girls in question, it's not going to look like anything special. But uh, there, there surely is something special going on acting wise in the young ones here, right? Can I just say, wow, I've already said how blown away I was that Yum Jung has come back to horror, but the the main little girl who calls herself Junie, even though that's not a real name, a little actress, eight-year-old called Shin Rina, and she's she's been in five films. Yeah, since 2014, her first film was Ode to My Father, which, as we've already said, went on to, for a time, be the second most successful Korean film of all time. She was in the la- Her Jin Ho's The Last Princess in 2016 as the young version of The the Last Princess, who then grows up to be Son Ye Jin, and you don't get any bigger than that. Um, she was in Memoir of a Murderer with Sol Kyung Gu and ex-K-pop girl Sol Young. Can I just ask you something? Um, Memoir of a Murderer was was a pretty uh, regarded film, right? Yes, very much so. Wasn't it eligible for for the awards? Uh, was my question because I I remember I didn't see any mention of it, uh, or it just uh, couldn't compete. It's it's that same thing again. You know, this 2017 deal, it was eligible, but it's that thing of you recognize the things that are being nominated and awarded but there are films that should be and they're just not mentioned at all and memoir of a murder is one of those it, i i find it you know quite a thrilling film there's only there's one scene in it that 
made me roll my eyes and I really wish I had a pair of scissors to cut it out. But aside from that, it, it's phenomenal, you know. And again, this this little girl, Shinri Na, everything she's been in, there's something about her performances. And in the mimic, she makes this film along with Yim Jung Ah when they're together. It's just stunning. You know, you see her standing, talking to to someone and she's nervous and just one tiny little step backwards and the look she gets in her face and you, you can tell she's terrified. It's phenomenal. She she did it for me. She's phenomenal. And she she and um, the other girl, uh, they need to cover an emotional spectrum, which is, uh, again, is also a ter- internalized and, they, they, and also the external feelings might be happy, fearful and... Uh, semi-spoiler but uh, you know uh, one of them needs to act um, treacherous well well, the plot sort of suggests that something is not right you know yeah. and he uh, he has a good knack for uh, getting that out of his um, small actress uh, like like in, and he doesn't make her go you know over the top or off the rails either in terms of all this so it's it's a find alright you know whatever the name of the little actress in the whaling was you know she's got a it's a new kid on the block. <laughs> There's a scene where she and Yoon Jung Ah are in a dog cage and they're not trusting each other and the little girl's got a shard of glass in her hand. Later on, the scene's almost repeated with the two young girls with Shimrina going into the thing and saying the things that Yoon Jung Ah had said in the previous scene. And what Hugh Jung did and what the little girl did is they overdubbed Yum Jung Ah's voice into the little girl and I watched I watched it repeatedly and I would almost guarantee it's her speaking and it's not it's so perfectly done it, it was because she's also acting like her right exactly it, it, it was exactly that smooth like it, it was not like this kid acting like a kid but talking like the adult but rather there was a switcheroo in in behavior and and detailed direction for a kid to pick up you know uh, based on communication showing also that our director probably is very patient and has a knack for getting this through clearly yeah non-spoiler but the last third anyway seems all terror really um, all underground terror and deception but by this point he has earned that uh, I, I saw some review that said this movie sort of sh- shit the bed towards its de- towards its end. I don't agree with that at all. I I, I don't either. I have uh, to say. Because it has built intensity and it kept adding clarity, going towards closure in in this massive underground set. And I don't know if the long stair going down into the mountain is a is a is a location they found, but what a perfectly atmospheric location. Yeah, very much so. It seems it seems like so, something where people go on tours in in mines that are now like a tourist thing. But damn, it is ever creepy because it's a uh, just tons of tons of stairs into pure darkness. You know, I think uh, it's a uh, it's it's an approachable time. I mean, a breakout title for for Korean horror. Uh, you know, it deserves to be seen at the very least. Um, very much, yeah. And g- gain some exposure because, as I said, I think uh, audiences that get exposed to the movie um, would keep stick with it and keep it with them. I have a feeling that it's going to be sit 
nicely with them because it's all it's not too complex either not too local because anyone can connect to the fact that it's an urban legend it's about a tiger these horror elements are recognized from elsewhere so it's not purely korean either so um but but it's approachable but not simplified is the point as well because it has a dramatic intensity that i, I might not have been blown away by it but it's 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 strong the, the focus is strong and the execution is strong in terms of the drama and uh, it certainly shows towards uh, the very end too uh, so uh, let's uh, i'll wrap my notes up here so uh, i'll let you take the floor and wrap your notes up or share anything else you want to share just a couple of things to say um in terms of the ending that you were talking about i think he jung gets away with it because he's earned it through the film once you've got past the point where you're happy to invest, you should be allowed to invest through the whole thing. And I, I do disagree with the, the things that say he lost it at the end. I don't think he did. The the only other thing I'll say is the one, and you can cut this out as well if you wish, the, the one downside for me is there is a big shaman ritual in the mimic. If I hadn't seen the wailing, would have been my favourite shaman ritual on film. <laughs> it would have been a wonderful shaman ritual, but it's so, so close in tone, in visuals and everything else to Nahong Jin's The Wailing, which is a really eclectic, frenetic shaman ritual that the whole way through that scene, all I could think of was that this is the same as The Wailing. Um, and I think that's a real shame because I think the mimic deserves to be thought of as more than that. But that's the one scene that really didn't work for me, and it only didn't work for me because it's al- it almost feels too copied. It's not It's not original enough. Yeah, I, I think it rebounded for me because um, it, it gets um, a bit freaky in terms of how that character looks visually and how that character then proceeds. So... Uh, you know they neatly sidestep, uh, sidestep, but then they don't have another ritual, thankfully. So, uh, uh, do we know that actor underneath the um, the makeup and the whitened eye and all of that? Uh, I recognize his face, but I didn't look him up, so I can't actually tell you his name. Because uh, it's an intense performance that uh, that uh, is, is spoiler ridden, but uh, it's an intense performance that hidden under some some makeup. So, so as for availability, uh, the, the mimic um, is uh, now available from Arrow Films in the UK on DVD, as uh, well as places as such as iTunes and Amazon in HD. And uh, we'd like to thank them for providing the review screener to the show. And uh, I guess the reason this isn't getting a Blu-ray, despite Arrow being Arrow, is market decision. I guess they uh, it wasn't strong enough to warrant the investment to do a blu-ray which is sort of a shame and uh, at least hd on the digital platform is is something and uh, it, it's bound to look a little bit better than the standard definition dvd of mm. course but um i hope that still doesn't uh, turn people away uh, in droves anyway that uh, just because it's only dvd yeah but um i don't know about you paul but i'm i'm, I'm also fine with uh, digital hd uh, um i like i like i don't I, I i don't see the difference necessarily no, I, you know, for for me, you know, access to a film, whether it be DVD, Blu-ray, or or digital HD, on a television, the the average size of mine, you can't really tell much of a difference anyway. Exactly. Uh, so no US distribution yet, and uh, one hopeful part of me says that maybe we'll go uh, 
iced this and uh, picks it up because that will increase its uh, chances to get on Netflix and things like that. But um, as of right now, uh, you haven't heard anything about U.S. Uh, US distribution deals putting in, uh, being put in place? Not a thing. It was It was sold to a load of countries, and I don't remember seeing USA in the in the list that doesn't mean it wasn't but um i haven't heard a whisper so we shall see because they're not picky well go they pick up most anything that could be sold on something like even the even the you know speaking hong kong or china even the lesser thought of jackie chan movies like kung fu yoga therefore up on netflix immediately simultaneous opening with china and hong kong in cinema so they're, they're not picky they're picking up a lot so i'm thinking that uh, the mimic would have a chance i i think so and i i think it's it's easily accessible well go also did whaling by the way so you can sort if you want to be lazy about it like uh if you like the shamanism in the oil <laughs> you might say, yeah. try it check out the you know Run them side by side. Exactly. Uh, one is shorter than, than the other, that's for sure. Uh, this is um, a, a micro South Korean movie, but it makes sense. It doesn't need more than 100 minutes. Uh, and uh, for this story, it's very contained, which is uh, which is a good thing. Uh, so yeah, that's us for this episode. Uh, so uh, let's uh, finish this uh, batch of uh, What's Korean Cinema off in, uh, in uh, the usual fashion. Some brief contact information. And this has been What's Korean Cinema on the Podcast on Fire Network. And for all your Podcast on Fire Network needs, including the back catalogue of What's Korean Cinema, go to podcastonfire.com and uh, also follow the show post links for all the relevant links to social media and uh, where you can subscribe to us on iTunes and so forth. So for all your needs, we provide them for you and uh let's hope uh while this podcast is uh in the pipeline maybe something will happen in terms of its uh, distribution globally like for, because i i for instance can't access it um from uh, itunes uk for instance so i'm i'm out of the loop like obviously i had the screener but uh, so uh because uh, i'd love to uh, support it but uh, obviously i can't so uh, but uh, uh finally paul Year 11, Hangold Celluloid, you have plugged many times, but you deserve yet another plug. So where can people find you? A final plug. I'm Paul. I run HangoldCelluloid.com, and you can find me at HangoldCelluloid.com. There are buttons on the main page to my Facebook, which is Facebook.com slash HangoldCelluloid, and Twitter, which is at HangoldCelluloid. Um, easiest things, just head over to the site, have a browse around, you know, check out the Mimic review if you wish. And then click one of the social network buttons if you feel the need. And I've got to ask, by the way, it's too early for any um, any buzz or news in terms of uh, uh, Hu Jung's uh, next project, right? Pretty much so. I assume he's still, you know, hanging tail on the mimic, and it's sort of, you know, it's hype, it's dealing what it's done. Um, there's been no word that I've seen on his next project, and. I would imagine we're going to be waiting maybe another year before, you know, that's usually the time where it's like, no, a year you hear what he's going to do and then another year and it's out. Well, uh, if you weren't encouraged in terms of um, what you saw in Hide and Seek, uh, you know, in terms of looking forward to the next project or not, I I think um, your mind has been flipped, if so. Very much so. I see see him as, you know, taking steps forward. Be interesting to see where he heads next and if he heads to different genres. Indeed. And uh, maybe we'll cover that in the future. But uh, in the meantime, I've been uh, Ken B, having been schooled on Korean cinema once again by Paul Quinn of Hangul Celluloid. So say goodbye. Thanks for listening, guys. See you later.